Several years ago, there was a German researcher who um, studied thousands of churches of every different size and denomination all over the world. His goal was to identify the essential qualities of a healthy, effective church. So what do you think he came up with? Any guess? What was that sign all about? Yeah, what, what would be some, some things that he found out that would make a... Healthy, okay, healthy church, all right. Long, longevity, that goes along with health. Friendly church, okay, what else? Way in the back. Christ-centered, good. Those are all great, great characteristics. So let me tell you what, what he found out. And some are what you would expect, as we've talked here this morning. Inspiring worship, something that will lead you to Jesus Christ. Relevant preaching that meets the needs of that particular congregation, something they can identify with. Small groups, small groups, and so forth. One of the surprising discoveries, though, was that healthy, effective churches were characterized by joy. Joy. Happiness. Now, uh, members of these churches describe going to church as an enjoyable experience. And nearly 70% agreed with the statement, there's a lot of laughter in our church. Now, is that why we go to church? To have a few good laughs? Not we obviously know that's not why we go to church. I think we'd all agree with that. There's, there's more to church than having a, a few laughs and enjoying ourselves. But it turns out that joy is one of the primary things people are looking for in life. And one of the primary characteristics of a healthy, effective church. I would also hope that, you know, when we have young people in the church, that they would know that they have come to a church that is full of joy. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that's not what they see sometimes to time in many of our churches, because they don't see that joy. So think for a moment in life when, when you've experienced real joy. And I'd like you to think of something besides the Green Bay Packers winning on any given weekend. We're talking about joy, a moment of deep gladness, an inner sense of of well-being, an inner, an, an inner experience of sheer delight. It could be something major, ordinary, recent, or from the past. Let your imagination go for a moment and think in the past of some events, some some things that have happened in your life, where where you were, what you were doing, who you were with, and where did that joy come from? The question that we would like to explore this morning, though, where does joy come from? The joy that we're, we're talking about. How can we become a church of joy? How can each of us experience more joy in our life? Not just a church, but in all areas of our life. What is joy? The joy the same as being happy? Some time back, there were some Sabbath school lessons and um, adult Sabbath school lessons. And um, 
one of the lessons was on, on this, this topic. Happiness is the result of favorable circumstances. Joy, in contrast, is a result of being, as in being connected to Jesus Christ, the true vine. The English word refers to a condition of feeling of great pleasure or happiness. But the word great expresses something more. Happiness has to do with circumstances. It was a, a great ball game. We had a good time at recreation. We, we enjoyed our golf game. I was happy. I sure enjoyed that pizza. Pleasure has to do with sensation. A runner's high, a runner's high, what you get when you're really running a good race, good food, a tender kiss. Joy of something deeper, though, and higher and truer than happiness or pleasure. The Greek word, most often translated as joy, adds a nuance of well-being, making it an inner qualities inside us all the time. Joy is hard to pin down, but we know it when we see it, don't we? And we know it when we feel it, don't we? Joy is an attitude. It's an approach to life rather than just a reaction to life. It is a grid through which we see everything else. And joy is a, is a way of looking at life that is not affected by our surrounding circumstances or, how, or, or what has happened to us. Now, Buddy, Buddy is an is a old friend of mine. Now we are both old together. But I knew Buddy when, when he was in college. When he was a freshman at Southern Missionary College at the time, he was accidentally shot in the neck by one of his best friends who had a gun in the dorm and pulled it out and pointed it at Buddy and it went off accidentally. Now, obviously... He shouldn't have had the gun in the dorm, but he did. So Buddy was paralyzed from his waist down and has had to spend the rest of his life in a wheelchair. While at Southern, uh, when I became acquainted with Buddy, uh, two of us, uh, eventually his, he hired me. He, his parents paid for two students to take care of him, roll him around campus. That was before elevators in some school, schools, and we had to pull him up three flights of stairs many times to get him to his classes, and we'd make a race out of it many times, <laughs> or bump him down the stairs, see how fast we could go. Fortunately, we never had any accidents, but, but we, we had a good time. But, uh, we double dated together. He didn't have trouble getting dates in spite of his condition. He eventually got married to a lovely nurse after he graduated, uh, and and she has been a wonderful wife to him, and he's had a great career in his work and is, is now retired. But in all the years I've known Buddy, I've never heard him complain. He's always had a joyful spirit, in spite of the unfortunate circumstances that, that happened to him. He has a way of looking at life that's not affected by his unfortunate situation. Paul rejoiced while he was in where? Prison. Yeah. He rejoiced as he faced possible execution. He rejoiced even as he wrote to the church about 
conflict that was taking place in the Philippian church. Philippians 4.4, 4, our text this morning, he's telling us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We sung this song for years around the campfire and youth, youth events and Sabbath school. We know that song. So what does it mean to be rejoicing? The first point of this text that Paul brings out is that joy is an obligation. We don't really have any choice about it. Paul tells us, rejoice in the Lord. And just in case we missed it, the first time he repeats it. To put greater emphasis on it, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. He doesn't tell us that it would be nice if we rejoiced. Or that we should take a seminar in rejoicing. He says, just go ahead and be joyful. Rejoice. This should be a a normal course of life for the Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Don't you think so? Yeah, They need to see that we're a happy people. And we have a lot of joy. We we can rejoice always. We We should view this rejoicing in the same way as we view in the instructions to love one another. To tell the truth. To refrain from gossip and to respect life. We have no choice about this. We need to be joyful people. Second, we see that joy is a mindset rather than a particular set of circumstances. My friend Buddy, although he suffered a tragic accident that cost him the use of his leg for the rest of his life, didn't let the circumstances affect his outlook on life. Could easily have. It would be foolish for Paul to advise people to get rich or be healthy always or to live in a place where the sun is always shining. The reason to be foolish is because these are things that are out of our control. Can't do much about that. Can't do much about the rain these last two days. I have a, a good friend in, in youth ministry there in the Atlantic Union. He's uh, going to be retiring next year. But he was an act, active racquetball player. Played racquetball on a regular basis. Still does. He, he's from India, and a few years ago, he was taking a trip to India for a mission trip, and before he went, of course, he, he went and had all his regular checks up, checkups, make sure he was healthy to go to India. And he went to India and came back, and about a week later, he was playing racquetball, and he collapsed with an almost fatal heart attack. He had five bypasses. I was with his wife during the surgery. He was in good shape, played racquetball, but had this heart attack. We can all enjoy the sunshine, but cannot control the weather. Some some of these things we don't have any control of. And sometimes we we do need rain, don't we? There are many individuals today who have lost jobs, lost their income, or unexpected tragedy happens, which drains any built-up savings they had. Some things are beyond our control. But we have some biblical examples of characters that found themselves in situations in which they had no control, but they still had the joy in their life. Can you think of some of these? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
rejoice as they were being cast into the fiery furnace. Why? Because I knew they were coming out. I knew that. Daniel rejoiced when they bound him and cast him into the lion's den. Why? Because he knew he was coming out. What happened to Daniel? We know that. Speak of Daniel, God sent his angel to give those lions lockjaw. He knew those lions wouldn't be interested in what he tasted like because he knew God was going to deliver him. He knew he was coming out. Paul and Silas in Acts 16 rejoiced when they were cast into prison. Why? Because they knew they were coming out. I think they were singing the song in that prison, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What do you say? Peter was cast into prison, but he rejoiced. Why? Because he knew he was coming out. Helen Keller became blind and deaf as a result of an illness at the age of 19 months. She became a joyful role model for many young people today. Even though Ludwig van Beethoven, the great musician and composer, had a difficult childhood, he was able to use those talents God gave him to bring joy to countless numbers of people, including himself. You can take a dog whistle and blow it real loud and nobody will pay any attention to it. But every dog in the neighborhood will hear it. Perk up their ears. Why? Because the dogs are on a different frequency than we are. They hear things that we, we can't hear. Christians should be on a different frequency as well from the world. We're on a frequency that the world doesn't know anything about, and that's always being joyful in our life. Well, you know, sometimes it's hard to be rejoiceful, maybe, to some people. How can we, we be rejoicing when something's going wrong in our life? When we're hearing something they can't hear, they're hearing defeat, but we can hear victory because God has promised it. People are hearing sickness, and we're hearing healing because God can do it. They're hearing condemnation, and we're hearing mercy. They're hearing despair and sadness, but we are hearing what? Joy. Paul offers a vivid example, of course, of an individual who didn't let circumstances affect his thinking and his outlook. Here is a man not only talked to talk, but he walked to talk. Here is a man who had been ridiculed, driven from town to town, shipwrecked in prison, beaten with whips until his back was covered with stripes. Yet there was a life in which joy was a constant refrain. Joy unspeakable and full of glory, he says. Thanks be to God who gives us the what? The victory. In all things, we are more than conquerors. God who commanded a light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. Thanks be to God for this unspeakable gift that we can have. That a prisoner soon to be tried for his life should not only rejoice but encourage others to rejoice as well. James tells us in in his book, James 1, 2, and 3, what to do when things don't exactly go our way as they do sometimes, as they did in Paul's life from time to time. Listen to this. 
Whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Great thoughts. Joy comes as a result of a complete trust in the love of God and a deep desire for the will of God to be done in the world. No matter what the cost might be to ourselves, no matter what trouble comes our way. There was a man and his wife who, who were um, taking a trip and they played this game. The game was, here's how I'd remodel that house. And it was a game they played. They'd look at the house and kind of pick it apart and see what they would do to make it better. Um, well, one day they were driving. They saw an old, dilapidated house that looked like it had been abandoned. The husband stopped, looked at the house, and he said, I'll tell you what I'd do with that shack. I'd bulldoze it down and start over. Well, just at that moment, an elderly man stepped out of the house into the front porch. With a big smile on his face, the old man waved at them as though they were his long-lost friends. Well, the couple backed out of the driveway and drove on down the road. And the husband said, do you think he would have been that friendly if he knew what I said about his house? And after a long pause, his wife repeated, probably so. The happiest people in the world are those who don't allow anything or anyone to steal their joy. Which brings us to the third thing. Joy is based on the Lord. Joy comes into our lives because of the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Joy comes from knowing that you're loved by God. Knowing that you're forgiven. Not because of anything that you've done, but because of his grace. Knowing that no matter what happens, you're going to be all right. Knowing that no matter what the world takes from you, it cannot take that which is most valuable. And that's our joy. Unfortunately, sometimes we have churches that don't understand this. We have leaders sometimes that don't understand this. This is a true story. From where I come from down south, there was a church that had an evangelistic meeting and had a lady that was baptized. And... Um, she came to church, and the pastor chewed her out because she still had her jewelry on. She never came back to that church again. She didn't see much joy there, did she? Unfortunate. Jesus tells us the reason he, was, he told us to love one another. John 15, 11, these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. I pray that that is what's happening in your life. The third point is this, our rejoicing should focus on who? On God. This is really, really important as we look at this topic. The Lord is the object of our rejoicing. The more we learn about God, the more we understand about God, the closer we grow to him, we are better able to rejoice in the Lord. Maybe we have trouble rejoicing in the Lord because we don't know how to do it that well. So what gives us a reason to rejoice here? Just a few. We can rejoice in the care over us. 
We can rejoice because he sacrificed his life that we might have eternal life. We can rejoice because he never leaves us or forsakes us. Wow. Those are really great reasons to rejoice, aren't they? A question that we can ask ourselves is when should we rejoice? When should we be in a joyful spirit? Sometimes we feel like it when we're in a good mood, when something good happens to us, when you receive that gift you always wanted, when you receive, possibly in your, if you're in school, an egg on your examination. The text says rejoice what? Always. Rejoice always. Period. That's it. Rejoice always. There may be sometimes when everything's not, everything's going wrong, you're having trouble here or there. Remember this, we can't always rejoice in our circumstances, but we can always rejoice in the Lord. Another great reason to be in this attitude, to rejoice, is the influence that we have on others. The influence that we have on others. Joy is contagious. We can have a positive impact on others when we rejoice in the Lord always. When I started Facebook several years ago, I was hesitant to get on Facebook because of my position, but I was convinced that by someone that it would be a good thing. So I was on Facebook, and not more than a week later, I had one of my young people that I had in the state of Alabama when I was youth director there. She now was a mother with kids, a Pathfinder leader. She was getting ready for the last camporee. And um, first thing she said when she sent me a Facebook message, she said, Pastor Bill, I want you to know that you're a reason I'm a Seventh-day Adventist today. I started crying. And that wasn't the end of it. She said, you made being a Seventh-day Adventist fun. Now, I bring this up because the sad part about that, her dad was a pastor. Her dad was a pastor. Well, I was glad that because of possibly my joyful spirit, I had an impact on her life as well. We all know of individuals that are always full of joy. When we come around them, we can't help but be joyful as well. When we are rejoicing in the Lord, it is going to be a blessing and encouragement to others. We can even influence our own family. That's the most important influence, but we can always influence our own family to be joyful. Well, obviously, we, we've not exhausted all there is to know about joy this morning, but this we, we can be assured of. God wants each one of us to rejoice in the Lord always. Let's conclude with a few practical suggestions. First, if you want to rejoice in the Lord, if you want to rejoice, the Lord has called you to rejoice. We need to stay close to that source of joy. We need to stay close to Jesus. There really is no substitute for time with the Lord. We must focus on all the good things he does for us. Spend time in Scripture, devotional reading, That's meaningful to you. Talk to God as a friend. Spend some time with him like you're doing this morning in worship. And praise and involve yourself in serving him in various outreach projects. What we're going to be doing at 
Capri in 2014. It really is a very simple formula. It doesn't have to be complicated. The closer you are to him, the greater the experience of joy in your living. Second, make yourself conscious of the requirement to rejoice. Put the word joy in a card and display it somewhere. Get some smiley faces and put them around to remind you to smile on the inside, even when it's difficult to smile on the outside. I had a little devotion over there last week, and this is one of, I, I pointed this out. As a camp director, even though we get tired, believe me, I've done it, I ran camp for 23 years. We get tired, but the campers have to see a smile on your face. And your staff need to see a smile on your face. Finally, spend quality time thinking about the gifts God has given you. Often reflect on his love, his mercy, and his grace toward you. Take time to recount the many blessings you have been given. And remember to what? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Father in heaven, this morning as we think of this song, we ask for that peace in our lives. We pray that you'll give us a spirit of rejoicing always, and that will always be um, rejoicing no matter what the circumstances might be, that because of our rejoicing, people will know that we have Jesus in our lives. Thank you for blessing us this morning, and we ask for your continued blessing throughout this Sabbath. Bless our time of fellowship here in just a few moments, that you might be there with us in the meeting this afternoon, and And then as we go into a new week, we pray that you'll bless this congregation, that they might always be a shining light in this community, and that they might see that this is a church full of joy because of your grace and love that you have for us. Bless us now as we go our ways, these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.